And now we're going to read from the Bible. I've asked Alan if he'll read for us, reading from Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 to 14. If you'd like to follow the Church Bibles, it's on page 1180 in the Church Bibles. Page 1180, Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 to 14. Thanks, Alan. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcision on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have been taken hold of, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Alan. Let's pray. Lord, please help us now to listen to your word. Please keep me from getting in the way of what you want to say, Lord. Help us to hear, help us to obey. We pray for the help of your Holy Spirit to, to put into practice and to live out this year uh, the teaching of your word. Lord, please speak and help us to listen. For your name's sake, amen. It's a new year. Time for resolutions. Would anybody like to admit to any resolution they have for the new year? One two grimaces from Bob, which suggests uh, he, he may have resolution, but he isn't going to tell us. But uh, but um, sometimes we resolve about things we want to give up because they're bad, or things we want to take up because they're good things to do. Uh, often they involve things like food and how much we eat and what we eat. Sometimes they involve exercise or our lack of it. Sometimes they involve people, and people we feel we've neglected, not given them time. Or sorts of things, really, 
We make resolutions about things that we think are important, things that matter to us. Suppose that Paul was to tell us his resolutions. What would they be? What mattered most to him? Well, it used to be religion. That was his whole life. In fact, he was almost um, overqualified. He was, he was born a Jew, he was circumcised, he belonged to the strict sect of the Pharisees. He was very, je- very zealous in his service of God and he tried to keep the letter of the law perfectly. So he had a lot going for him. But that's all changed now. Paul uses the language of accountancy in verse 7, profit and loss. If at the beginning of a new year you want to just check your finances, you look at the past year uh, and you you look maybe at all all the things you've gained, uh, your your salary or pension, gifts you received, all sorts of things. You add up all that profit and say, oh, I'm I'm well in in, in surplus here. But suppose that having done that, you discover that everything you thought was, was, was was a credit to you was actually a debt and should go in, in the negative column, uh, the, the loss column. That's how it was with Paul. Everything that he counted as, as being good and to his credit, he now realises was a loss to the extent that religion that had been the centre of his life, he now regards as rubbish to be thrown away. Because now he's discovered something, or really we should say someone, of far more value than mere religion. Rather than religion, he discovered a relationship with Jesus. And he's no longer looking at himself and his achievements. If you look in verses 7 to 10, there's one name that, that occurs there five times in those few verses, and that's the name of Christ. Because Paul has found not religion, he's found a relationship with a person, Jesus. Now Paul is no longer relying on what he's done, but on what Jesus has done. Jesus, who loved Paul and died for him, so that all Paul's misguided past can be forgiven. So for Paul, all that matters now is knowing Jesus. I wonder, as we start a new year, is that our story? Have we just got religion, or have we found Jesus? Verse 10 is a bit like Paul's resolution, if you like. I'll read it again. It says, I want to know Christ, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of of sharing in his sufferings. That's like Paul's resolution, if you like. It's all about knowing Christ, and he, he breaks it down into three parts. First, I want to know Christ. Second, the power of his resurrection. And thirdly, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And we'll take those three things now and see what they really involve. First of all, Paul says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. How do you get to know Jesus? Well, how do you get to know anyone? It takes time, doesn't it? Time talking to them, hopefully listening to them as well. Maybe working on a task with them. All this way to actually get to know people in, in a better way. 
And that's how we get to know Jesus. We spend time with him. Uh, whether it's talking to him as we take the time to pray, whether it's listening to him as we take the Bi- as we take time to read the Bible and, and hear it explained. So as we talk to Jesus, listen to him, we get to know him better. I encourage you in this new year, right from the beginning, to let Jesus teach you more about himself, to challenge you, to guide you, to change you, showing things in your life you need to start doing or stop doing. Listen to him and obey. Now that isn't complicated, is it? It isn't hard to understand that. But the trouble is, life gets busy. Jesus gets crowded out. Or we rush the time that we spend with him. So we're not really listening. But if in 2023 we're really serious about knowing Jesus, if we really mean business with him, if we really want to know him, we'll discipline ourselves to make time to stop and talk to Jesus. Quite a lot of us have mobile phones. We've got our iPhones and our Android phones and everything else. And somehow, for most of it's pretty rare, isn't it? You get to the end of the day and think, oh, I've, I've had no time to look at my phone all day. Sometimes some of us are scarcely off the phone. We make time for things like that. We make time to watch our favourite programme on, on TV or Netflix, whatever it might be. We make the time for things that we really want to do, that really matter to us. So I encourage you, and I certainly encourage myself as well this year, let's make time for Jesus as a top priority, even more important than looking at my phone or, or watching something on TV, to make time for Jesus, because that's the most important thing in our lives. So that when we read the Bible, it isn't just a quick five-minute quiet time where we, 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 we skim through a passage and, 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 and mumble a few prayers and that's it. But giving him quality time to listen to him. So we really get to know him. To get to know what pleases him. Can we do that this year? Can we make that our number one resolution to give Jesus time as we talk to him, listen to him, giving quality time so that this year we all get to know him better. That's the first thing. I want to know Christ. Second, the power of his resurrection. What does that mean? Paul didn't need resurrecting. He wasn't dead at the time he wrote this. So what's it, what does he mean by the power of his resurrection? He isn't writing, he isn't writing here about physical life, but about spiritual life. Let me explain. When you start to read the Bible, if you, or if you do what we've just been saying, you give Jesus more time now each day to, to read the Bible and to pray, when you start to read the Bible, you soon realise that you need to change in all sorts of ways the things that you do, the things that you say, your thoughts, how you react to other people, how you react to circumstances, your relationship to God, so much that needs to change. So what do we do? Well, we could summon up all our willpower 
to try to please God in our own strength. We're really determined. And that's very commendable. But if we're just relying on our willpower, we'll fail time and time again. You know, you can buy lots of books on willpower. A while ago, I googled books on willpower, and there's so many. There's even one, uh, Willpower for Dummies. You know, you get all these, these, pro- these, these easy-to-learn guides about learning. There's even a Willpower for Dummies. But, but, you know, how many of those books, books you read, willpower isn't enough. Making resolutions aren't enough. Now, Paul, if you look at him, he doesn't resolve to try harder because that isn't the answer. We can never live the Christian life in our own strength. If we're ever going to become more like Jesus, we need to invite him in to come in and to live in us because we need his power, the power of his Holy Spirit. Like Paul, we need to learn to rely completely on God's strength for everything we do, not ours. Without Jesus, we can't achieve anything for God. So, for example, maybe at church you do a bit of preaching or you teach the children or you do some singing, whatever it might be. You're a member of the Celebration Singers. You can't get higher than that. But whatever you do, if you're only relying on your own ability, not Jesus, it won't work. At the very best, people will people may go away uh, thinking it was a nice message or, or, or lovely singing or that was a fantastic children's lesson, but it won't achieve anything for God. It won't touch any lives, including yours as you do it, because God's power isn't in it. It's actually a lot better, surprisingly, if we stand at the front not feeling at all strong or capable, because then we're forced to trust Jesus. We're forced to come to him and say, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm sunk. I'm depending on you. And that's not just true for church work, which, is, which for most of us is only a, a tiny fraction of our whole lives. It's true for every aspect of living the Christian life day by day and telling people about Jesus. We need him to help us, otherwise it's all going to fall flat. Or if we're challenged by the teaching we hear on a Sunday morning, I hope we are. Or we challenged in our Bible reading. If that just makes us try harder, we're on to a loser. Bible teaching should first drive us to the cross for forgiveness and then to Jesus for the power of his spirit to obey. First to the cross to ask for his forgiveness for the sins that the teaching has exposed and then the power of his spirit to actually do something about it. So ask Jesus to help you, and he will, because he wants you. He wants you to live a holy life. Ask him, trust him day by day. Let him come in and live in you. And finally, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. What's that all about? Some people, some people have, the make, have the mistaken idea that if we become Christians, everything will go well for us. Everyone will like us because we live such good lives. A life will be easy, free from cares and pain. You may have noticed it isn't quite like that. Jesus warned his followers and he warns us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We suffer because we live in an imperfect world. 
with imperfect people. And we're not perfect either. And we get hurt on a personal level or at an international level like Ukraine. But for Christians it's more but for Christians it's more than just that that we suffer, because we're short, we're called to share in the sufferings of Christ. So what were the sufferings of Christ? Well, first of all, like us, Jesus suffered because he lived in this imperfect world. He got tired, he got hungry. He was homeless. On one occasion, he wept. But more than just those ordinary sufferings of the world, he suffered by the way that people reacted and treated him because of the truth that he proclaimed. He cared deeply for people. No one could have cared more than Jesus did. He came to serve them. He came to serve us. But still, they rejected him, and eventually, they nailed him to a cross. And we are called to share in the sufferings of Jesus. We are called to share that suffering with him. As Christians, like Jesus, we suffer when we take a stand for Jesus. Even though, like him, I trust we really care for people and try to serve them, we will sometimes be thought less of, made fun of, or shunned by family and friends. Maybe some of us here know something of that. But when that happens, and people ridicule us, or treat us badly, or discriminate against us, or ignore us, avoid us, or in uh, other parts of the world, uh, uh, physically hurt us in all sorts of ways. When, 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 we, uh, when we suffer like Jesus, when that happens, we remember what it cost Jesus to suffer for us. We remind you of it again this morning as we broke the bread and took the bread and the wine. We remember what it cost Jesus to suffer for us and so we suffer gladly for him. Like the early disciples who rejoiced when they were persecuted because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. As a finish, we aren't there yet, are we? We've got a long way to go. We've got a long way to learn about knowing Jesus and his power and uh, reacting in the right way to suffering, which we tend to avoid. We, we often fail in these ambitions. But Paul says it's a bit like running a race. Early in the race, the, the runner may have stumbled or made a tactical mistake, but he doesn't let that get him down. He doesn't give up. He presses on. How about us as we, as we enter 2023? Will our priorities be the same as Paul? Is our biggest goal to get to know Jesus better? To know his power in our lives as we let him live in us? To even be willing to share in his sufferings without complaining, without resenting them, it's part of the package and it's an honour to suffer for Jesus. Whatever our past failures, they can be forgiven. In 2023, let's press on with his help to know him better as we serve him in this new year. Maybe so. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in all our weakness. We're sorry, Lord, that so often we haven't given you the time that we should. 
We acknowledge, Lord, in so many ways we need to know you better. Help us this year, Lord, not only only to get to know you better, but to become more like you as we spend time in your presence. Lord, you know how often we fail. Help us, Lord, to let you be Lord of every part of our lives and to, to, to rely on you complete, not on ourselves. Lord, as we let you uh, dwell in us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, please help us to know your victory in the areas of sin where we so often fall. To know your help as we seek to uh, live out the Christian life and to witness for you where we often seem so ineffective. Lord, we come to you. We can't do anything without you. In this new year, Lord, help us to truly give every part of ourselves to you completely all the time. And Lord, please fill us and change us and use us to your glory. And if we suffer, Lord, for doing it, don't let us complain, but rather just recognise it's an honour to be treated like our Saviour, who suffered everything for us. For your name's sake. Amen. For our final hymn, uh, as we end one year and begin another, we're going to sing Lord for the Years. It's a, it's a hymn in which, first of all, the first couple of verses, we just thank God for all he's done for us in the past. But then we pray for our land. And doesn't our land need prayer at the moment? And for our world, which is so needy of prayer. And for ourselves. Let's stand to sing as we sing. Let's just dedicate ourselves to the Lord as we start this new year.